And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Rob Gutro, scientist, award-winning, and number one selling book on Amazon author, paranormal investigator, and medium with inspired ghost tracking of Maryland. Today we'll be discussing pets and the afterlife and more. Rob, thank you so much for being on the podcast and welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. And it's great to be here. So how did you start communicating with pets and the afterlife in the first place? Well, um, it, I started communicating with people actually in um, when I was a teenager. When my grandfather appeared to me about six or seven months after he died, and he scared the daylights out of me. Um, and I found out by talking to my parents that my mother had the ability. And she, she then explained to me that she had the ability, her father, my grandfather that appeared to me had the ability, and a cousin in the family had the ability. Um, and I am the only one of my brothers, I have two brothers, that has this ability. So... Um, I put it on the shelf until I became settled. And in 2005, when I had a puppy, um, my puppy was tragically killed by a car. And he was the one that opened the doors to communicating with pets. And of course it was him. Um, He provided multiple signs. And it's through him that I learned how pets communicate from the afterlife. It's interesting to think about, especially since you're a scientist and you can track different people in your family who's had this ability. It would be amazing if we could find out what the genetics are that gives us your ability. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I would love to know how that works. Um, I wish I was a geneticist, mm-hmm. but I, <laughs> but I'm not that kind of a scientist. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I have spoken to other people that do have the abilities and they have also conveyed that someone in their family, their extended family has the abilities as well. So it does run in families. And when you saw your grandfather, did you see him as like a transparent ghostly image or fully solid? I actually saw him solid and in color. And he was, he's only one of two that I've ever seen in my life in that, that way. Um, but uh, I was home alone that day and I grabbed, well, except for the dog, and I grabbed the dog and I ran outside uh, and I sat there until my parents came home. Um, I, you know, at 13 years old, you're, when, when, when a dead man shows up in front of you, you don't want to stay in the house. Right. <laughs> so, Did you have a conversation with him? Nope. Um, as, soon as, as soon as I saw him come together, um, he's, it scared me. Sure. So I, <clears throat> I ran out of the house as quickly as I could. I would be freaked out, and I'm sure any person, or generally almost everybody, would be. Yeah. What, um, what's interesting is that some mediums will say that they were never <clears throat> shocked or scared or surprised, but um, I can't imagine not being scared or surprised when someone shows up like that. Um, now, but I, I've grown used to it as an adult, so hmm. um, now it's... Not a big deal. <laughs> How did your puppy reveal itself to you? Oh, gosh. Um, so the very first sign that he gave me was musical. <clears throat> and that I, I found this very interesting that um, I was walking him and uh, my roommate's dog at the time. 
And it, when I left the house, I was the only one at the house. My roommate was at work. <clears throat> when I left the house to walk the dogs, the, the radio was not on. When I came back in the house, the radio was on. And the first, the song it was playing was called The Dance by Garth Brooks. Mm -hmm. It's about a man who loved inten intensely for a short time and was happy to have had the dance or the love that he experienced. And, and I knew that was a message from my dog, Buzz. Buzz was his name. His second sign <clears throat> was a physical sign. Um, when I took him, when I took his body to the vet and, and I met some friends of mine in the parking lot at the vet, the vet took his body. Um, and uh, my friends and I were standing next to the door, the back door of the veter veterinary building. And a, uh, the lid of a trash can shot four feet in the air and there was nobody behind it, no animals, nothing. Mm. And I heard him in my head suddenly, first time I heard him say, dad, I'm okay. And that just, <clears throat> that just choked me up right there. And I knew it was him. You know, there's terms for beings on the other side, like ghosts and spirits. Are they the same thing or are they actually two different things? Thank you for asking that. Uh, so that my very first book is called <clears throat> Ghosts and Spirits Explained. And I, as a medium, I have talked to both. So I have come to realize that they are both beings of energy. They are, they are the remnants of this life, this physical life. And the energy within us couples with our memories, our personality, and the knowledge of the life that we lived. We make a choice, and this goes for animals too. Um, we make a choice after we die that we can stay here, the fixed location we are familiar with or of our choosing, like even, even if you people die in a car accident in a different place, they may choose to haunt it or a battlefield or something. Um, or we cross over and join the energies of the cosmos or universe or heaven, or if, whatever you want to call the other side. And I call that a spirit. And the distinction here is that ghosts are limited to communicate only in the place that they chose to dwell on Earth. Spirits can communicate anywhere, anytime, any place on earth. What are some of the common reasons that a person or a pet would choose to be a ghost? Typically, I have found that um, people either like the home that they grew up in or that they lived in. Uh, they want to help their loved ones deal with their grief, which they can't really as a ghost. Um, they have unfinished business something they wanted to do before they died, or <clears throat> they're afraid of crossing over. I have found that people who are very conservative or very devout <clears throat> in their religious beliefs, <clears throat> when we die, we get a quick life review. And if they see something that was not good that they did, they are afraid they're going to a bad place. So they stay behind as an earthbound ghost. Hmm. Um, Spirits, on the other hand, have already crossed over, so they don't have any issues like that. Uh, pets, by the way, not, I would say about 98, 99% of our pets cross over. And the reason for that is that if you have a pet, if you have a dog or a cat, you know that they can sense emotions. You know, they know you're happy, you're sad, <clears throat> you're angry. <laughs> um, and what they sense as soon as they as their physical body dies 
is they sense the light and in the light, there's nothing but peace and love. So they all walk to it. I have only met two earthbound uh, animals in all the years I've been doing this. I would assume that most of the time, or I guess all of the time, pets choose to stay here is because they love their master so much. That was actually, the, yeah, that was the case in <clears throat> in one um, that I, I met, a little dog uh, named Fanny in in London of all places, when I went <clears throat> when I went into a, uh, a museum that was once a house of a famous architect, John Soane, in Britain, um, he his wife had a dog that was very devout <clears throat> to um, Mrs. Soane, and when the dog passed, the dog decided to stay with Mrs. Soane in the house, and the dog has remained at, long after the passing of <clears throat> of his mom. It was interesting. I was thinking, as I said it, I didn't like choosing the word master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do you think dogs look at us as masters, as equals, or as companions? I think they look at us as companions, and they also look at us as family. Mm-hmm. So I, I also work in animal rescue as a volunteer, um, and I always call people pet parents because mm-hmm. we really do parent our pets. Um, if you think about it, we raise our pets the same way we raise our children. The only difference is they're, they're animals and, um, they don't live as long. So I, I tell people that we take them to school. We teach them how to interact well with others. We teach them how to go to the the bathroom. Um, we teach them good behaviors. They learn language. They read emotions just like children do. And we take them to school. Um, and I always tell people the only difference between a pet and a child is that a pet will not marry someone you don't like and move away. <laughs> I kind of also say a pet is like a child that never grows up. That's exactly right. They're always going to be that four-year-old. Right. No matter how old they get. What is the one question that makes you crazy about pets and spirit? Oh gosh, that when when people tell me that pets don't have souls, hmm. um, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Um, because a soul basically is our energy combined with our memories, our personality, and our knowledge of this life. <clears throat> and a soul is about intelligence. It's it's an energy with a conscience, a consciousness rather. Um, animals lived on Earth for millions and millions of years before people ever showed up. They figured out how to survive. We are not the be all end all, (laughs) Um, as much as we would like to think so, you know, as humans. Um, So yes, every living thing has a soul. Uh, And there are some some religions that actually believe that and promote it. Um, And I say good for them. Uh, but for, as for the other ones, um, I think they have some some learning to do. I, and I would say adopt a pet and you'll figure it out. <laughs> do you think pets on the soul level evolve? Like, you know, maybe they start out as a, a pig and then cat and then they evolve into a dog and then to a dolphin. Or do you think they're at the soul level, a dog will always be a dog um, I think that they will, they, they can be anything in the animal kingdom <clears throat> uh, you know, in terms of reincarnation. 
And, um, and when we come back, and we all come back, we will be connected to our pet um, in the next life. I just don't know how. Some of my near-death experience guests have commented on seeing their pets in the afterlife. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, pets, like people, will either stay earthbound or cross over. <clears throat> and when they cross over, they are waiting for us in the light. Um, often when, when we pass, our pets will come to us in spirit <clears throat> and help us across. I know that when my mother passed away, when she was dying in 2013, my mom had a stroke and she was on, she was in a coma. She was unable to respond. When I came in to see her in the hospital, um, as soon as I came in, my dad came in with me. My dad had passed in 2008. And in my dad's arms, he was holding my mother's favorite dog, a poodle named Gigi. She was my mom's, my mom always used to say that she was her favorite child mm. when my two brothers and I were standing there. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, you know, we felt, um, but when I told my mom and when in the coma that my dad was there and, uh, and Gigi, her dog, Gigi were there, um, that's all she needed to hear. My dad in spirit also told me that, um, uh, that my mom didn't want anybody in the room when she passed. So I had, I told my brothers <clears throat> And they, we all left the room that night. We all went home. And five hours later, after my mom heard that, that her dog was on the other side, I don't know if it was my dad, but she was concerned more about the dog. She passed away. What do you think is the easiest way for pets to communicate with us? Well, I think dreams are likely the easiest way because our logical mind is asleep. And when as we grow older, we are taught to think logically and we're taught to explain away coincidences and look for reasons that things happen. And, and honestly, when it comes to spirit, there is no such thing as a coincidence. Spirits make things happen. Spirits make, make us go to certain places at certain times and look a certain direction or listen for a certain thing so they can get their message across that they are actually with you. And pets do the same thing. So no such thing as a coincidence. And dreams um, are the easiest way because we're not thinking when we're sleeping. Um, that barrier is down. So same thing with people too. People who pass use dreams to come into your dreams to let you know they're okay. Do you think pets usually visit people just to let them know they're okay on the other side, like a visitation? So they do. Um, often a dream will be the first thing that somebody experiences <clears throat> a living person experiences after a pet passes. Now it may come a couple of weeks or a month or so after the pet passes because we suffer grief and loss and grief and loss are negative energies that adversely affect messages. They block messages. So that's why it's important to try and deal with your grief and the loss of your pet and not get frustrated that they're not coming into your dreams. Um, and one, of the, one of the funny stories that I often tell is that I, I met a woman who, who said to me that she was very angry with her husband <clears throat> because after her dog passed, her dog kept coming into her husband's dreams. 
but her dog never came into her dreams. So she said she would argue with her husband and yell at him because she wanted her dog to come to her dreams. Mm. And, and I told her to stop arguing with your husband because your dog is coming to your husband because he's dealt with the loss. You have not. Mm. So once you do, uh, you'll have marital peace in the house. <laughs> Interesting. She hasn't had closure yet. No. I'm guessing you're a dog person. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I am definitely a dog dad. Uh, so I, I've worked with dog rescues now for probably about 15 years. Um, I have four dogs in spirit and they all adorn the covers of my three pets in the afterlife books that are all behind me. Um, uh, big dachshund and Weimaraner guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a dog person. Sadly, I'm allergic to cats, mm. but I don't love them any less. As a medium, you're communicating with them in what some people may say in the fourth dimension or in the next frequency up. And do they give you like symbols or visions and that's how you get your messages from them? They do. So they communicate in a number of ways. So because pets learn on different levels, they're able to use those skills to communicate with me. For instance, pets pets learn uh, on instinctual learning. They learn behavioral. They learn language. They learn routine. Um, they learn how to uh, interact with others. They learn names of people. And they can convey those things to me. Also very, uh, very uh, detailed in what they see. They're, they can very descriptive. So... When pets come through to me as a medium, they will show me what somebody on the other side looks like. They will um, they will tell me names of people that are with them. Hmm. Um, they can tell me about favorite memories, um, favorite places, um, things that they like to do, um, a whole bunch of things, including toys or, you know, how they were. Um, how they were adopted later in life or how they passed away. They also share, they do this, uh, pe people also do this with me. They share pain of death. So they share the pain that they experienced just before they passed. And that's one way to confirm to their pet parent that I'm actually con communicating with their pet. I like reading those things that come across my Facebook feed that it'll be like, all the ways your pets are trying to communicate with you and such. And I remember reading one just literally the other day, and it was about when your dog wants to sleep with you at night, it means that you're his most favorite person in the world. Yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> you have three books out. What can grieving pet owners get from reading your books? So they, they can learn uh, by reading these books, the different ways that pets communicate with them from the other side. Um, there is also a special chapter in my latest book, Pets in the Afterlife 3, Messages from Spirit Dogs, from a, a friend of mine who is a medical psychologist, and he wrote about how to cope with grief. I also offer uh, the ways that I've coped with grief and loss after losing two dogs in 2020. Um, but primarily, it's teaching people what to look for so that they don't need to communicate with a medium. They don't need to, to call a medium to see the signs that their pets are given. Um, in fact, 
after I did a reading with one person a couple of years ago, she still writes me today and she keeps saying, this is a sign that they came through for my, my dog. Um, and, and she's very excited because her dog is very communicative. Um, but there are a lot of different ways, Jeffrey, that, uh, that pets can communicate. I mean, we can see shadows. We may hear barks or meows. Um, at usually at night when the house is quiet, we can hear collars jingle. We can hear their um, their feet going up and down stairs. Um, you may feel a slight pressure against you. Um, you might feel a cool spot. And and as a scientist, I explain that cool spots are created when a spirit or even an earthbound ghost, if you go on a paranormal investigation to a haunted place they will take the energy of the motion of molecules of air. They'll take that energy and that slows the molecules movement down and fast moving molecules of air are warm air, slower moving molecules of air are cooler air. That's why you feel a cold spot whenever you're in the presence of a spirit or a ghost. It's amazing. I'm glad you put that together. How are they slowing down the molecules of the air? They just absorb the energy of motion. <clears throat> Um, it's kind of like a, it, when your energy, it, you have to think of it as like electricity, um, and electricity can draw on other electric currents. So that's pretty much like how it is. You can also consider it like a magnet. Even if the ghost is moving by you, they're moving, you would think that would speed up the molecules, but maybe they're still sucking in all of them towards themselves, like you said, like a magnet? They are, yeah, they're, they're absorbing that energy. And same thing with, with batteries, whenever we go on paranormal investigations, you know, they drain the batteries, they, they act like a magnet and they drain that energy. Um, and you'll see that often on, on uh, ghost hunting programs, if you will. If you use, I'm not sure what they call it, I'm just gonna call it like a heat camera. Uh, what is that, a thermal imaging? Infrared, infrared camera, camera or heat sensing camera. Can you spot ghosts or are they not sensitive enough to be able to do so? Um, so infrared cameras are, are uh, thermal. They are they detect heat signatures or cold signatures. So yes, you can, they are used in paranormal investigations to detect um, an entity if there is one. Um, but when it comes to spirits, you know, spirits, uh, nobody's going to have it unless they have an infrared camera laying around <laughs> and they want to want a confirmation. Uh, nobody's going to grab a, an infrared camera and, and confirm that there's a spirit there. I was just thinking, you know, like if you went to a, a quote unquote haunted house mm -hmm. and you're looking for this ghost or spirit that's roaming around, is it going to be spotted on an infrared camera? Mostly, I would say yes. Have yes, you? It's not always the case, but have you seen one before on the camera? I have. I, I yeah, we have uh, technical people. I, I belong to the Inspired Ghost Tracking Team in Maryland, and uh, we have technical people, and they've shown me um, entities that look like humanoid shapes walking across the camera. Hmm, that's interesting. I wouldn't think they would have a body shape as a ghost, maybe as like a cloud shape of energy. Is that how they show up? They actually can take the shape of of uh, people mm -hmm. or even pets if, if there are earthbound pets. Um, so it, sometimes though the lower half of them are missing. <laughs> so, well, yeah. <laughs> there's only so much energy. They're just floating around. They don't need legs. 
That's right. <laughs> All right. So what about this? Have you ever heard of pets haunting people as a ghost? Like, you know, maybe the neighbor that didn't like the cat next door. Uh, I have not heard of that, but I will say that anytime someone's life is taken unjustly, um, they they may haunt the person that did it. So if, you know, if, if there's somebody that uh, cruelly uh, kills an animal, um, they can be haunted by that animal. Mm. I know this is a dark thing to talk about, but what about at veterinary clinics or the shelters where they, you know, there's too many dogs and they've got to put down a bunch of dogs. Have you, has anybody ever noted that there's a lot of dog spirits or ghosts around those places? I haven't spoken to anybody in in the shelters like that about that topic, but um, it's actually a, a viable thing that, once a dog or cat is um, euthanized in that that shelter, they may in fact stay there. Um, but again, because pets have the ability to sense good emotions and and positive energy, usually they go right to the light and they cross over. Hmm. So I would say that uh, it would. If if a shelter like that is um, has a resident ghost, um, it's likely uh, rare. All right, back to your three books. What is the difference between the three? So <clears throat> the first book I wrote, um, Pets in the Afterlife 1, with my Weimar on a Buzz on the cover, um, goes more into the scientific nature of things. So the science of, of how pets learn um, and I cite Dr. Stanley Corin, who wrote The Intelligence of Dogs and How Dogs Think. Um, I also uh, address the soul question in there. Uh, Dr. Gregory Burns, a uh, neuroscientist in um, Emory University in Atlanta, had written a book called How Dogs Love Us. And he was also fed up with hearing that question about dogs and souls. So, so he put his own dog and some dogs from his fellow lab workers through MRIs. And what they did is whenever the parent approached the dog and they did an MRI, the dog's caudate section of the brain lit up the way that a human's would if they were feeling love. Mm -hmm. Um, Conversely, when people, strangers came to the dog, that caudate section did not light up on an MRI, indicating there was not that love for that person that it was for the pet parent. So he proved that dogs have the same exact emotions that people do um, and and dispelled that notion of no soul. Um, So there's a lot of science in the first book, but that's just a baseline. There are also a lot of examples of how how, uh, my dog Buzz has communicated with me. and other pets, as well as uh, as well as dogs. Uh, there's cats and birds and horses uh, also in there. Um, and there are three special chapters in the first one from three different mediums who communicate with their pets. So it's not just me. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Which do you think are smarter, dogs or cats? So I'm not an expert in the intelligence of animals, but I will tell you that uh, according to Dr. Stanley Corin, he says dogs have the intelligence of a four to five year old human child hmm. and cats have the intelligence of a three to four year old human child. 
that's Dr. Stanley Corey. So, um, but the interesting thing here is that they all have their own personalities. You know, if you're if you're a cat parent or a or a dog parent, you know that they're all different, <laughs> and right. they all have their own quirks, just like humans do. What is your opinion on purebred animals? Do you think that dogs are being overbred? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really much into the genetics side of it, but I do know that when you overbreed, you make your animals more susceptible to illness and and various uh, physical challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, um, for instance, King Charles Cavalier Spaniels are, um, they are prone to a disease where their brain continues to grow and their physiology, their skull does not. And that leads to seizures. And I found that out when I read a, when I read a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel who passed away. Hmm. Um, so that's the only example that I can really cite. I'm going to switch gears with you here. Your most recent book is called Ghost of the Birdcage Theater on a Medium's Vacation. What is that book about? <laughs> um, that book is basically a, a, a testament that mediums like me never get a vacation without talking to dead people. <laughs> you can't just turn it off? <laughs> no. I Well, I, you know, I can try. Um uh, but a lot of times when I go on vacation to these historic places, there are ghosts that are uh, there for a long time, and they're very adamant about wanting to be heard and, and felt, um, and they want help. They really want help crossing over. So the Birdcage Theater is a, uh, an historic theater um, in Tombstone, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You may remember Tombstone as the famous, the site of the famous OK Corral shootout, Wyatt right. Earp and his brothers versus the, the evil cowboys. Um, so the Birdcage Theater has been there since 1881, and it was the center of entertainment for Tombstone. Um, I went on a ghost tour there um, in 2019, and I encountered 11 different ghosts, mm. and I sketched them in the book. There are, I think, four or five sketches. Uh, I captured some photo, two photographs of actual faces of ghosts one in a mirror and one in a painting. And I wrote about that. I wrote about the experiences. And all of these ghosts have been um, uh, confirmed by the people that work there and um, the people that that manage it. So is there at any point that you can just tell a ghost, look, I'm busy, come back later? <laughs> I, I, so that's a really good question. Um, I have done that. So when I went back into the Birdcage Theater, I went back to uh, to do a book signing uh, after I published this. And I went back inside the, book, the Birdcage Theater and I started doing short little videos, like 60 second videos of the locations within the theater where I encountered a different ghost. Well, the first thing I said was to this ghost I encountered named Jerome who was shot in the throat and he made me feel it. I asked him to uh, just not share his pain of death again for the second time um, or third time. And let me do these videos. Mm. Well, Jeffrey, every video I did inside the birdcage theater had a high pitch and you could not hear my voice. As soon as I got outside and I shot a video out there and I didn't realize that as soon as I got outside and shot a video out there, it was fine. But he interfered with everything because he was angry with me for telling him, 
to leave me alone. <laughs> oh, wow. He had a temper. Well, I think that's probably why he's dead, really. I mean, so he cheated at cards, which is why he was murdered. Mm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so did you help him cross over or, or what? No, I did not. When you go into an establishment, you have to ask the people who own the establishment if you are allowed to do certain things. So uh, I was just a visitor. Um, mm. But typically, I do cross all the ghosts over that I, I encounter. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know, and I don't want to talk bad about that establishment, but maybe there are places that want the ghosts to stay because that brings in tourists. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a, a mansion in uh, in Maryland here that did exactly that, and we wanted to cross the ghosts over, and they said no. Um. The only ones that we were allowed to cross over were the ones that were abusive to the, the human visitors that came in uh, in Maryland. So, but these people, these people in the birdcage are not mm. abusive. Um, and a lot of times, ghosts don't want to cross over. You know, we maintain our personalities, and um, they can be stubborn, especially the ones that were, you know, did bad things when they were alive. They're again, they're afraid to cross over because. They're afraid of going to a bad place. How does that make you feel when an establishment tells you do not cross the ghost over? Well, it, it's sad to me, um, really, like the, the place in Maryland. Um, that Because half the ghosts were probably looking for peace. Um, some of them were very adamant about not, not crossing over. So, again, we all maintain our personalities on the other side, whether we're earthbound as a ghost or as a spirit, we've crossed over. Um, so you can't force somebody to do something they don't want to do. I, right. And I've learned that even with the dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's interesting. I wanted to get back to pets for just a minute, if we could. Because sure. A couple of things that people ask me often is that, um, how do I know I did the right thing to help my pet cross over? to euthanize my pet. Right. Um, and they always feel guilty. Yeah. Um, so pets will often give us signs um, that it's they're ready to go. They'll isolate themselves from people. Um, they won't eat anymore. Um, they won't engage anymore. Those are, those are signs to look for. And uh, sometimes when we make the decision and the pet can sense that we're made this, that made the decision um, and we're taking them to the veterinarian's office, for instance, they will show, they may show a burst of energy. It happened in 2013 when our dog Sprite, who had a tumor in his nose burst at 16 and a half. We were told in the emergency room at night that he, he really needed to be humanely let go. Um, so I took him home for a couple of hours and then we took him to the vet later that day. We wanted him to say goodbye to our other dogs. Um, and they said that was okay. So he had not eaten for two days. Um, on the way to the vet, I again just took one of his favorite treats and put it in front of him. And he ate the entire thing for the first time in two days. People have told me the same thing that they've experienced. And they felt, suddenly they felt guilty. They thought, oh my gosh, this is the wrong time to do this. But it's not. Your dog is so, or cat, is so excited 
that you have learned the lesson of unconditional love that they were sent here to teach us, that they appreciate that you have the courage to help them cross over. And I also urge everybody that even if you don't think you can be in the room with your pet, please try. Because the last thing they want to see when they pass is you. Um, if you don't have the courage, um, often people have told me how much they've regretted it. Um, at least wrap them in a blanket or something with your scent on it so they can smell you. They can smell you there with them before they pass. And, and know that our loved ones on the other side are waiting for our pets. So um, they're, they're not going to be alone by any means. Hmm. That's great. What got you interested in the birdcage theater in the first place? So the, <clears throat> the birdcage theater came to my attention in 1993 when I saw the movie Tombstone. And um, I was enamored with and fascinated by the life of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. And something about it was eerily familiar. So when I visited in 1994 for the first time, um, and by the way, when I visited, I dressed up like uh, Wyatt Earp. <laughs> and I convinced a friend of mine to come with me dressed up as Doc Holliday. And that's the way we wanted to see the town for the first time. And that's actually the cover of the book has a picture of me in front of the Birdcage Theater from 1994 when I was dressed up as Wyatt Earp. Um, so when I got to, to Tombstone, after we parked the car, we just walked into town. Somebody came up to both of us thinking we were reenactors. And they asked me where the, um, the courthouse was, because it's now a historic monument. Um, this is my first time in Tombstone. Mm -hmm. I told them exactly what streets to go down to take a left and then take your first right and you'll find it there and my friend looked at me and he said what are you talking about he said we just got here we don't even have a map of the place how do you know that <laughs> and i said i don't know so we actually followed my direction and sure enough that's where the courthouse was mm. and that told me that i very likely lived in tombstone during that time there's no other way I would have known that. I was basically going to comment on the same thing. Yeah, this is well before, you know, cell phones and <laughs> all that and internet. And so, you know, anybody can go online now and, and find the outline of the town. But back then you couldn't. I mean, and I was taking pictures with a 35 millimeter camera because cell phones didn't have cameras. If you if you could afford a cell phone in 1991. <laughs> Right, right. It was a big walkie-talkie, like, cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Yeah. It sounds like in the background you've got one of your furry friends with you. Yeah, there are several of them back here, and they want to be known. So mm. they, they <laughs> my kids are always around me. So how often are you contacted by a ghost in public? It's not very often, believe mm. it or not, because I, I, I usually I get very preoccupied when uh, I'm going through my daily life. But when I'm on vacation, it's different. When I'm on vacation, I all my worries and concerns about what's happening during the day and what responsibilities I have are gone because I'm on vacation. So my mind is clear. Um, and that's why I think ghosts have the ability to really tap more into me. Um, when I went to England, everywhere I went, there was a ghost. 
Mm. We went to all the Tudor era uh, buildings and, and churches and so forth and castles. Um, and there were so many of them. Um, and I liken it to, to being in a supermarket and standing in line at the checkout and somebody like four people behind you keeps calling your name to ask you to turn around. And finally, you have to turn around and just say, who are you and what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what I endure when I go on vacation and I encounter a ghost. Interesting. How do you think they know that you can hear them? Yeah, they can sense some. They really have a sense of who can sense them. Um, I can't explain that, but they typically know who to come to. Um, and, and people who are not sensitive, they likely probably also go to them too, but those people just don't pick up on it. So, you know, it's like picking through the crowd until you find the right one. Do you have a favorite ghost that you've met? A favorite? Um, well, I met some infamous, horrible people <clears throat> who stayed behind. Um, but I, I think that I would have to say uh, Anne Boleyn's brother, George Boleyn. Mm. Um, Anne Boleyn was one of Henry VIII's wives who was executed. And like, likewise, her brother was also executed by Henry VIII. Um, when I went to Hever Castle, not knowing that it was the home of Anne Boleyn and the Boleyn family, uh, because my husband made the arrangements and I just went along for the trip. And I didn't know anything about British history, by the way. So I walked in and there was a gentleman standing next to me, a ghost, and he said, my name is George. And he had the old um, accent and he wanted being George Boleyn, Anne Boleyn's brother. And he escorted us through the castle. He was with me the entire time, pointing out different things that happened in different rooms. He showed me where Anne Boleyn's bedroom was, told me that the year that he was most proud of her. And I had to look all these things up on the internet when I got home. And wow. I confirmed everything. And it was bizarre. Um, so yeah, that was the that was a day that I got a tour of a castle home from the ghost that lived there. <laughs> so do you hear the voice like in the movie Ghost? It is kind of like that. Um, sometimes they're not in complete sentences though. So it's not like it's not like calling somebody on the phone and having a conversation. Usually it's bits and pieces because it takes so much energy for a ghost or a spirit mm -hmm. uh, to communicate. So I often hear fragments of words or, um, or pieces of, of words, and then I put them together. Have you ever encountered poltergeists? Yes, I have encountered poltergeists. So poltergeists are um, energy that simulates the activity of a ghost. It's not an actual ghost. Um, but poltergeists make noises um, and disrupt things. Um, they can also, poltergeist activity can also appear as a shadow figure. And usually they are caused by teenagers going through a very emotional time. So in my book, um, uh, uh, Case Files of Inspired Ghost Tracking, we found, we, uh, we encountered three, I think it was three different par um, poltergeist cases where there was a teenager in the house that was creating these ghost-like disturbances. Um, and we kind of figured that out. And when the, the teenagers got uh, therapy, the poltergeist activity ceased. It's negative energy 
but it's mm-hmm. soulless, like a thunderstorm or something. It's just a, yes, it brews up yeah. from so a it's, person. It's, a, it's negative energy projected to create something, um, and you'd be surprised at how much uh, negative energy and thought can actually do. I mean, people can influence people to do things. Um, you can you can create negative energy that people can actually feel. Think about it this way. If you're if you're going into a crowded room and you see a whole bunch of people, sometimes there are people that you are drawn to and you want to talk to. Other times there are people that you just get a really bad feeling about and you avert you avoid that. You're sensing their energies. And that's basically what what poltergeist activity is too. It's 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 energy. It's it's kind of like that. Um, mediums also sense energy, by the way, but we sense energy of people or pets who passed. So I, probably because I'm a scientist, I always have to explain everything in terms of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it all comes down to. I think the paranormal will be normal once everybody accepts that energy is the foundation of it. Is it possible that energy itself is love? So I broken down energy into a couple of different categories. One are physical energies, heat, light, water, and electricity. Those are physical energies that both earthbound ghosts and spirits who have crossed over can use to get strong enough to communicate. Mm. Also, there is emotional energies. Now that's, this is where the distinction happens. Ghosts draw on negative emotions. That's fear, anxiety, depression, and anger. Those are the things that fuel a ghost. So if you go into a haunted place or a place you think is haunted and you suffer from anxiety, you're fueling that ghost Mm. to give them the ability to move something or make a noise or do something. Conversely, spirits draw on love, faith, and hope. Those are like positive emotional energies that also empower a spirit to come back and visit, whether they it enables them to throw a coin your way um, with the year of their passing or the year of their birth, um, whether it causes them to come back and influence a bird to act oddly and, and stare at you on the anniversary of their death. Um, and pets do the same thing, by the way. Um, it's, it's about different energies. So physical energies and emotional energies are both used by either earthbound ghosts or spirits who have crossed over. Well, you want to basically be a happier person so spirits will connect with you. That's exactly right. (laughs) Positive energy draws positive energy. If we want to find your books, do we find them on your website, Amazon, or both? Um, You can find them on on Amazon.com. I'm a self-published author, so everything is on Amazon, um, and they're all um, in paperback or ebook. Um, as a self-published author, I can I set the prices as low as I can so they're affordable to everybody because my goal here um, as uh, as a medium is to offer explanation and comfort to people and teach them how the paranormal works. Um, so all of my books are priced below ten dollars and ebooks are even much much less like less than half of that. Um, again, I want people to uh, to get comfort from them. Um, I also do readings too for people who lost pets 
and they can book that through my website, either robgutrow.com or petspirits.com. Um, and I do those on the weekends and I'm usually booked six to seven months in advance. Wow. You're so, busy. Yeah. There's a lot. Well, yeah. Plus my career job. <laughs> what about race horses or horses in general? Do you do readings for those? I have done a couple of readings on horses um, and birds. Um, any domesticated pet really can communicate. I've, I've actually uh, been able to communicate with um, uh, a rat, uh, gerbils, mice. Um, I, I won't do spiders and snakes though, but because <laughs> they terrify me. But right. um, yeah. And if you're terrified, you're going to draw on ghosts. So yeah. If I, yeah. If I'm uncomfortable, it makes it harder for me to receive the messages. So um, I stick to the furry ones for the most part. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, where should they reach you? Sure. Um, I love questions. Um, I actually, I, I do a blog every week and sometimes I do paranormal Q and A. So if they want to send me questions, they can find me on Facebook. Um, Rob Gutrow author, um, Twitter, same thing. Um, LinkedIn, uh, and Instagram, Rob Gutrow author. Uh, so I, I really welcome them. And, and also my website again, robgutrow.com. People can send me questions through that too. And you also have a YouTube channel. I do. Um, you have to look for my name. <laughs> I, they assign the URL and it's all kinds of quirky letters. So I, I, I don't, I'm over 50, so I don't remember mm. <laughs> all the letters. <laughs> what kind of content do you produce there? It's really just interviews that, um, that I do uh, video interviews. Um, there are other, there are videos that have been produced for me. Um, the uh, Howard County Community College has done a number of videos interviewing me in haunted locations in Maryland. And those are up there as well. Um, so it, it varies. Well, Rob, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Sure. Um, <clears throat> remember that our pets on the other side are always going to be connected to us. Um, they are with our loved ones in spirit. They can hear you. Um, that love never dies. And that you will see them when it's your time to cross over. It's a great message. Rob, thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate you and have a great rest of your week. You too. Thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.